uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. <laughs> Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. Hope you're doing well. It's Wednesday. That means another episode. Episode 35 are up to now. And today I have a really special guest, a friend of mine, first and foremost, and also a producer, a singer, a songwriter, a drummer, a technician, an audio engineer. He does it all. His name is Mitch Willard. And I've known him for a long time, nearly two decades. We both are from the Central Coast. Uh, He obviously lives in Sydney now uh, and has done for quite some time. We first met, yeah, a long, long time ago. Uh, It was my first punk band that I had together in high school and uh, we started recording um, some tracks with that and ever since then I've sort of stayed friends with him. We've done an album together. Uh, We even started some of the Ritzy Kids stuff together. It's all coming up in this interview and he has quite an interesting story. I obviously, I teed this up. It was quite easy. We uh, we chat most days and uh, I said, oh, it's about time that I put a microphone in front of you. We sit down and have a couple of beers and tell your story because I've always been fascinated by his story. I think it's a cool one. He's had some uh, some some ups and downs, we can say that much. Um, in this pod, we talk about the time that he got a gun pulled on him overseas. We talk about his near-fatal car crash that he was in with a group of friends. Uh, Crazy story, that one. Talk about his days in Best Kept Secrets. So they were uh, quite a big um, punk band in the early noughties. They played at Home Bake and they only had a handful of songs, but it was enough for them to get noticed and go on some pretty cool tours with some of their biggest idols. And we also talk about a really serious issue. Which album's better, Dookie or Insomniac by Green Day? <laughs> Does take up a little bit of this. But uh, yeah, really interesting chat. Let's bring him on. My friend, producer, engineer, the singer of Best Kept Secret. It goes on. Here he is, Mitch Willard. I'm going to start this off. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Willard. I'm at your house. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I uh, introduce you. Drummer, producer, musician, guy that does a lot of audio engineering. Um, what do you do it all. And spills his beer on his uh, chest <laughs> straight up. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good. We've just had some, um, some sushi just up the road. It was delicious, wasn't it? It was. Good old sushi train. I love that sushi. And... Um, Having a couple of beers, kicking back at your place. But yes, how long have we known each other now? Ooh. Man, would it be 20 years? I want to, hang on, 20 when, when did we do three days ago? 2007. 2007. So that we would have met then. Yeah. So I think that's the first time we met, wasn't it? Yes. So I was playing in a punk band in high school called Three Days Ago. And... I heard Ethereal, which was a local band at the time. I think they're from Erina. They released an EP and I heard the EP and I was like, this is the shit. This sounds good. (laughs) 
and I love the band always. I still do. I still listen to the band to this day. But then I remember we, we wanted to record something in high school and we were like, well, I wonder who if, whoever recorded that ethereal EP, they'd have to be local as well. Right. And we narrowed it down and realised it was you that had done it. Right. We only had a name at that point. Um, and then we, I think we, I don't even know how we got in contact. I, th- I assume you probably went through, cause I was doing all that recording and stuff out of ECP studios yeah. over at Berkeley. And maybe we were jamming there at the time. It was or, pretty commonplace for a lot of bands to yeah. be jamming there. We crossed paths, but then we did a couple of songs for an EP for three days ago. Which you still, still need to release. Still to this day. <laughs> to this day. Which uh, you have to release the original versions of that. Yeah. <laughs> the mixes that we did. Because we only finally finished the mixes for that in the first lockdown. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No. When you did the vocals for it and then we mixed it out. Yeah. Yes. I had at home I was doing a few demos because I had nothing to do. This is pre-Ritzy Kids. Yeah. And... Um, and we started to all, well, we have finished like two of them, I think, two of those songs from that five song EP, which is cool. You know, the, the, the thing that I love about that is if it gets released, right? it's 18 year old, oh, sorry, 17 year old Sean and Mitch and, and Matt and, um, and Tim. Yep. With 30 year old Sean <laughs> singing. <laughs> so it's crazy. Like when I was recording that and I was like singing to my guitar bits from, you know, when I was 18. And I just remember thinking, well, it's just a spin out, you know, that. Yeah, totally. The songs are still in progress. But. Uh, well, that's the beauty of the digital age, though, too, right? Because I just had those sessions laying around. Yeah. And I think I remember sending you a message to go, I've got these. You need to. I think you should do something with this. Mm. Probably more so because we're all bored in lockdown. It's yeah, like, that was hectic. we've got to find something to do, right? Yeah. It was, so we may as well finish this off. So we got, I think there's two or three done, two done. And then there's yeah. like out of five or something. But look, one day, the three days ago stuff will come out. And uh, everyone listening to this should put pressure on Sean to release this <laughs> because it's ready. But <laughs> it was it was the three days ago stuff and doing that recording and doing that session that made me think, I wanted to sort of do that kind of style again with my music because I've oh, been was doing this acoustic. the birth yeah, of the Ritzy Kids? I reckon it was. Looking back and thinking back now, I reckon it was after ten years of playing acoustic and then singing punk music again. Sure. It must have done something, stirred something inside me, and and made me want to do the Ritzy Kids because I did Ritzy Kids a couple of months later. Yeah. And um and obviously you've been a huge part of kids. <laughs> for those listening you you uh, were dr- drumming originally on um the first uh, hang on breakthrough breakthrough yeah Sally um scars, awake, and, regrets. scars and regrets yeah. high yeah um and also mixing and mastering and all that sure um so you, and you've mixed and mastered every Ritzy Kid song so and hopefully more to come <laughs> yeah well we still do have plenty more to come <laughs> hey after um. After we didn't release the three days ago EP in um, high school and then the band just broke up and were never to be seen ever again. Yeah. I called you in oh, a couple of years later and I was like, oh, I've got a, I'm doing acoustic stuff now. Boring old acoustic stuff. No, no, no. That's not how, well, you're talking about your solo album. Yeah. That's not how that happened. How did that happen? Oh, no, no, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's right. I'm you, the one who contacted you. Yeah. I, I, this is going to sound horrible. <laughs> I remember seeing a, um, a clip of you. I was in like, the, oh, Sean can sing now. 
So that was around 2014. Yeah, and I sent I sent you a message because I remember you you recorded you filmed yourself and I saw it on Facebook. I was in Mum's laundry. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember the door in the background yes, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But it sounded great. And I just remember I go, and I was looking for something to do and I wanted like a new, to record somebody and do something like that. And I hit you up and then we talked about it a bit more and we ended up doing an album together. Yeah, we went out for a beer. So you hit me up. You're like, I heard you singing in your mum's laundry <laughs> with your harmonised Sounded pedal. clean. <laughs> It sounded, it sounded bearable. Uh, I was trying to do a laundry pun then by saying it sounded clean. But. Yeah, no, I heard it. That's good. <laughs> okay, um, cool. It's great when you have to explain your jokes. Anyways, you called me and we're like, oh, we're going to, um, we'd like to record you. So we went out for a beer um, mid-2014. And then I said to you, I think I've got a bunch of songs. I've got heaps of songs if you want to record. I never properly recorded. I mean, the only time I'd properly recorded was once again with you back in high school. But, You're right. Um, and then... This is I love this story. I love the whole Sunny Town story. So the, I'm sure that I don't know if there's anyone out there listening that has actually heard Sunny Town. Um, <laughs> I, all my mates have and whatnot. But we basically got this Airbnb in Tarbuck Bay, which is not too far from Foster. And um, I, I messaged this guy, and this house is fucking bawling. It's got um, yeah. you know wood. It's wooden floors, wooden walls. You know whatever. And um, he was curious about what was going to happen inside his house just because there was only two blokes. Because usually, because <laughs> usually he gets, um, you know, a bunch of blokes or a bunch of women to, to book out the house. And he goes, What, there's two of you? What are you on a surfing trip? And then you don't want to tell the guy that, man, we're just going to get a drum kit in here and just like beat the fuck out of it for, yeah. for days. So I was like, Yeah, surfing trip. <laughs> so we both drove yeah. up there Friday Arvo I think and um, no, I think it was a Thursday We were there for four days Or something mm. like that I remember Because I remember driving home To go to work mm. I was on a night shift And I was driving home To go do To do that So I had to leave early in the morning Which is hectic to think about Because those days that we did Because there were 10 songs on that album And those days that we did Were like 16 hour days Yeah Long days They were so long um, And I, I, I look back at that time and I think it was just such a, a really cool time. But that kind of experience is always great fun. Like any day in the studio, well, most days in the studio, I should say, can be very, very long. But generally they're always very fun mm. because particularly when you've got this creative outlet where you're spending the whole day creating an album. Yeah. And everyone's got the same goal towards the end as well. So a 16-hour day doesn't really feel like much. And I feel like anyone that kind of does the same thing that we do yeah. We're spending 16 hours a day doing all this stuff anyway. Yeah, that's right. So what, what, what difference is it that we're doing it together? And we weren't, um, we weren't like taken back by long days or anything. Like it was, it was so much fun. But it was also, there was a lot of work to do to get 10 songs that's done the thing. in we the amount of time we, we did. We weren't weighed down by that. We no. Weren't, we weren't like, oh, we've got to do this many. Mm. We were like really up for the challenge and... Um, I think I was singing in the spare bedroom of that house. With That's right. In between a mattress and the wall. Yep. <laughs> and then the drum kit was out in the in the lounge room or in the main. It was bit. in front. Of, yeah, it was in the lounge room in front of the um, kitchen island. I had the little Taylor acoustic mini. That's right. Yeah. And then the the cold kayak. And then there were some cool things that happened on that record as well. Um, at the end of Sunny Town, the song. It sounds like a drum, but it's not a drum. It's the sound of me beating a coffee pod box 
with oh, see, I a, forgot all a drumstick. That. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that now. Because I was like, oh, why don't you put something there? And then you were like, why don't you just beat the coffee pod box? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that kind of stuff, though, where you can just try and, like, something's needed, but it's just kind of, well, what, do, what do you do? And it's just yeah. kind of like, do you want it to be, like, a real drum or do you want to do something that's kind of different and I, just um, unique? And I guess in that point, it might have also come from laziness of me not wanting to get behind the kit or something <laughs> like that. But This is going to come from laziness. Usually I'd, like, slot in a song, but let's find it. Yeah. Um, so it'll come in here. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but the beat here. <laughs> It's hard to hear that. I can't hear it. <laughs> well, if you ever go back and you listen to that song. You know what? You should edit this and put that in. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll put it right here. Yeah, but that was a, such a fun time. And um, and we, we got, a, got a lot done in, in, in very little time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I really think, proud of that. I think that album turned out great. That was a fun experience and I think... Those songs turned out great and it was a really good, fun time and very experimental as far as like hitting a coffee pot box. Because <laughs> I remember I brought up the, now I remember I brought yeah. up my coffee machine, which I'm pretty sure it's that same coffee machine that's just sitting here, over here in this kitchen at the moment, actually. Let's go flog it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. But that, that, was, that was a really good time. I remember how full my car was that time. Yeah, yeah. and you driving up the, the long driveway and I remember uh, seeing your car like not buck, but kind of buckling like on its way up because <laughs> yeah. you had so much gear in it. It was this totally. little tiny hatchback. Well, I literally had my drum kit and then I actually had my road case full of all my gear and then yeah. the computer itself and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, the background of you... I remember watching Channel V one day. I used to always, it was one night, I, was, I think it was a Thursday night, they used to have this show where they play a bunch of homegrown stuff and they'd also play stuff from America. One night when I was watching it, there were two new bands that I added to my play all the time list. Right. Saves the Day was at your funeral. They played that. Uh, Great album, Stay What You Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they played the live version of them doing it at one of the talk show hosts. And I was like, fuck, this is a great song. Mm. And then straight off the back of that, in comes this band called Best Kept Secret, <laughs> Another Night's the right. the music video. And I was like, fucking this band's cool too. Now for those listening, <laughs> for those listening, Mitch, singer of Best Kept Secret. So it's weird. I'd seen you all those years ago and then, I don't know, maybe when we first started recording, I was like, oh, you're the dude in Best Kept's. <laughs> right, yeah. What, what, what can you tell me about those times? Like... I think you've told me over the years, like you got to do some special stuff. Like, was it homegrown? Homebake. Homebake. Yeah, yeah played, you played big, big crowd there. We were played main, yeah, played main stage homebake, which which was great. Had a really good time doing that. Um, we were the opening band doing that, but um, some of the yeah, we got to do some really cool stuff. That was a really good time with Best Kept. Some of the highlights in particular were got to play with some of my favorite bands. Like, anytime you start out with a band. Mm. I think a lot of people's dream is just to go on tour with bands that you love. Yeah. And I just remember like we played with Lagwagon and then we played with Strung Out and two of my favorite bands of all time. Strung Out probably be the, my favorite of all time. And I was like, that's it. I've done. I've completed everything (laughs) I wanted to do was just support these bands and go play with these bands. It's all I ever wanted to do. And so that was definitely a highlight with, um, with, from the best kept days and, 
and even just like, you know, doing the tours and stuff like that, traveling around with a bunch of friends and stuff like that and playing shows is always a great time and creating music. You weren't together long and you didn't have too many songs either. Well, it, it probably doesn't seem like we were together long because we had the one release and, yeah, then, and then we kind of disbanded after that. Uh, yeah, the EP was five songs and a secret song. Yeah, on the on the end on the end of that, um, Dorothy but, Stratton on there is a cracker. Oh, cheers! <laughs> a lot of people have that same reaction, and I remember at the time not, um, and even afterwards, I didn't really think I liked the song. It was a great song, and obviously why we put it on the EP, but I didn't think it would be as popular as it ended up being. Yeah. So, and you're just a couple of blokes from Terrigal. Yeah. What sort of happened there at the end? Did you all grow apart? Did you want the band to continue? I did. I did. Um, like any band, when you've got five guys together in particular, you've got a lot of butting of the heads. And like, it was, it's unfortunate. It would have been great for it to continue, particularly we were in the process of getting the album ready. And we had a bunch of songs and stuff like that. And then just in the process of doing that and just conflicts with inside the band, uh, it just kind of all fell apart, unfortunately. Because, like, you look at it on paper, there's this band, a couple of boys from Terrigal mm. who only have a few songs, but they're already playing with Lagwagon and, and going on on tour with a couple of good bands. Right. Things are going pretty well. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I, I suppose that it's sad in a way that it didn't continue. Yeah. It's not an uncommon story, I no, guess, maybe for a lot of bands and that anyway. And um, uh, we still talk every now and then. It was funny, it was only about six months ago we actually – Someone sent through our old manager sent through the the old demos that were for the album. Oh, and been okay. like listening back and forth for that. And you the, haven't shown me then. No, I have not. <laughs> Why not? Is there a reason? Uh, it's just because like man, and don't get me wrong, best kept was like a really great part of my life and stuff like that. But I just guess I moved on from it. Yeah, and moved on to doing other different things. It's not out of any other reason. It's just like I kind of forget about it. Yeah. It's just not something that I'm trying to force to happen again or anything like that. And just mm. like, I'm just enjoying doing the stuff that I'm doing now. So there was, t- we've been asked to do reunion tours and stuff like that. And I've always been a little bit reluctant. I, I, I go back and forth. There's been times where I've actually gone, yeah, okay, maybe I could do it. Um, I think the only way that Best Kept could ever do anything again, and the guys have chatted about it, but I think for me personally, if we were to ever do anything again, it'd have to be something new. I don't want to just sit there and go play the same songs. I'd like to release something new with it. There'd have to be a reason. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. But you'd still have to play Dorothy Stratton. Well, obviously, it's a given, <laughs> it's a, it's a given that we would play all the old songs live anyway. Yeah. Um, but for it to be for me, because that's, that's great for a fan, right? Mm. But as uh, as an artist or somebody in a band, you want to go out there with some new stuff, new challenging stuff. And sure, it's great to play the old stuff too, but you want to present something new to the world. Yeah. You were coming up at such a cool time. Um, I think that was released in 2002. Yeah. You had not only internationally and nationally, the style was right in. Like if you were playing pop punk, people cared. (laughs) You know yeah. what I mean? Right. At that time, people – and there were such good bands around at the time, just locally. Like you had Numbers, you had One Dollar Short. Yeah. So um, it must have been pretty easy to pull together a show 
with, with if everyone was playing this genre or trying to play the genre. Well, there was always shows going around, yeah. and you'd you'd always end up playing with a lot of these bands at different venues, particularly locally and stuff like that. Um, I don't know what it's like now, but even back then, it was it seemed like you find a booking agent and stuff like that, and they give you a chance and you'd start doing all these little shows um, around town. I remember we played Vic on the Park a lot and stuff yeah, like that. Cool place. The Bat and Ball. Yeah, and stuff like that. Pubs I frequently go to still to this day yeah. and stuff like that. We're, we're literally just down the street from the Iron Duke, which we'll probably go to after this. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shout out to but, Jim, who we're uh, going to be catching up with a little later. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a really good time for the coast as far as bands. And it, it was really good because everyone pushing each other and mm. stuff like that and in a healthy way. As well, yeah. Uh, Healthy competition, great. I suppose, is always good. Yeah, but at the same time, I think everyone was also doing their own thing, and everyone was very unique in what they were doing as well. How'd you just get spotted? Oh, I'm not even a hundred percent sure. Like, I vaguely we, we played we played some showcases and stuff. Yeah, like that. that's what I was sort of leaning towards. I remember you telling me something about a showcase. We played a showcase down at Club Seventy Seven. It was uh, which is on William Street, like down. Um, Darlinghurst Way, King's Cross. Yeah. And it was really more, we, I think Shock ended up giving us a, a, a tabling and offer for us. And for many reasons, we didn't end up taking that. And that's when ECP, East Coast Punk, um, that label um, decided to sign us. And then we ended up going with them. Um, and that's pretty much just how it happened. And then as far as like, all the stuff that we did, it was all DIY. Yeah. So we recorded that ourselves and all that. Like the EP before the showcase was done wow. and stuff like that. So we, funny enough, um, another night was recorded a good year before the rest of that EP. So if I do hear the songs, it's another night sounds so different to me than the rest of the yeah. rest of the EP. It just See, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't pick that. Yeah. Like, I don't hear that when I'm listening to it. Particularly I hear it in the drums and I hear it in my voice too. Just like even like... Just a year, year younger. A year younger and couldn't... Not that I could ever really sing, but it was just kind of more so like I could see the difference in my voice from a year ago and stuff like that. I even ended up... I was so... I, the first line of... Come, when the band comes in in the first verse of Another Night was actually dropped in a year later. Wow. Uh, so that that whole EP sounds very different to me as far as like that song compared to the rest of the EP. What did you record? Were you recording on tape or were you recording on... Another Night was done to tape and then the rest of wow. it was done to Pro Tools. Um, you've been rewarded with um, how, how well you go behind you know Pro Tools and, and, and mixing and mastering. You went to L.A., Tell me the story. I'll tell everyone the story <laughs> about you. You were cleaning the toilet, basically. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you're, you're cleaning the toilet because you've just rocked up. You're the new kid in town at the studio. And basically they thought, oh, well, this guy obviously just cleans the toilet. <laughs> but then you were like, you know, I think they realised like, that you'd done a well, fair I guess, bit of no, stuff. Well, I guess the backstory of that was the reason why I went to LA was, well, best kept it broken up. I had been working at Mangrove Studios, now the Grove Studios at that stage, and then that kind of stopped. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And it's just kind of like, well, I, I really enjoy doing the, the production side and I, I kind of want to study. But I was kind of like, I'd love to go over to LA and give that a crack. Yeah. So I ended up applying for a school over there. I was like, I may as well go get a degree while I'm at it and try and, try and work over there. And I ended up getting a 
internship at this studio called Broken Wave Studio, which was the old Yamaha Studios. Not sure who. I think, and I could be completely wrong on this. I think Corn did their first album there or something okay. like that. Um, so I ended up getting an internship there. And then my first day, yes, I was in the toilet. Because um, I did an interview. So I did an interview yeah. to get the job, and they did. They looked at the manager and they go, "Oh, you've done some. You've worked with some people and stuff like that, and you've used Pro Tools and stuff like that." Nope. And um, oh, and those um, listening, the beer has uh, the fallen. Beer has spilled. Um, oh shit! So basically, I um was in the toilet cleaning the toilet, and then. Because uh, there was like a head of the interns and he goes, this is what you're on to today. I was like, all right, go. You, you, pay, gen- you pay your dues. You're the janitor. Yeah, you pay yeah. your dues on anything like that. And then the owner came in and goes, Mitch, what are you doing in the toilet? And I go, <laughs> I'm cleaning it. <laughs> and he goes, we need you in the studio now. We need someone to operate the Pro Tools rig. I was like, all right. And then went into there and like never, from day never, one, I never went up, back to the toilet. I never went back to cleaning the toilets or anything like that, which I felt pretty bad about at the time because there's other guys who had been interning there mm. for a long time. But I guess it just ended up being because I'd already been piloting Pro Tools and stuff and like that. And they did throw me in the deep end then, to, I guess, to see what I could do and stuff like that. Like they do in any situation for any intern. Um, I was just lucky enough to get the opportunity to go and do that because either someone didn't show up, I'm not really sure, or whatever. Yeah. Or the engineer just didn't want to do it. And then I ended up becoming the assistant in that studio. I was the assistant to Warren Riker, who who did the Fuji's The Score. Okay. And um, also the miseducation of Lauren Hill. And which which is hilarious talking to him about it because he's like, great guy. I learned so much from that guy. Um, I just remember talking to him too. And I was like, what got you into all these, like, all these bands? How'd you get... He goes, I never wanted to like... Yeah, I, not that he, he didn't say I didn't want it. He goes, I never thought I'd be doing rap and that. He goes, I was the rock guy. Like I love rock and I like metal and that kind of stuff like that. And then he ended up doing like rap and he, which he loves doing it and stuff like yeah. that too. But he also loves doing all the rock stuff. So it's, it's, it's funny sometimes how you just end up being in a different genre than maybe what you intended. Yeah, what you, what, I, I don't want to speak for him, but that he was, he was great. I learned so much from that guy. Your travels of, um, You've been everywhere, I think. Like at a, at a point over a ten year period, it felt like you went everywhere, but it also brought drama along as well. I think you got in an accident and you also had a gun pulled on you. <laughs> wow, you remember a lot of these stories, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go firstly with the accidents. I remember seeing the photo and thinking, "Yeah, fuck, he got beat up in that car." <laughs> okay, I guess that's a pretty funny story in itself. Um, so that was when I was living in Canada. Mm. Me and a friend, we had bought a car and we drove from San Diego to Canada and we ended up in Banff, Canada, in Alberta. And after one day, we, we'd been up on the, on the hill snowboarding, a bunch of us yeah. and stuff like that. There would have been about five of us or so. Um, and we were coming down the hill and we were going super slow too. We were only going like 5Ks an hour if, hmm. because it, the road was slippery. And we knew it was dangerous and stuff like that. I was actually sitting in the back and we had a TV in the car as well. So I I was like, oh, it's five o'clock. The Simpsons are on. So I took my seatbelt off and I've turned the TV on to put the Simpsons on. And as soon as I've turned the TV on, I hear my friend who was driving, he goes, he's like, crap. And I was like, what? And I looked down and we're teetering over this cliff. Oh, my God. And then 
we've just bounced down this cliff. Holy shit. You know when you see it in a cartoon yeah. where they're, it's teetering and it's just like, ah, oh, cool, we're not going to go down. Like Hang on, so the front of the car is... is teetering is... off this cliff, yeah. It, when I say a cliff, it was more of like a steep hill. It's not like a full drop off, mm. but it was steep. It was very steep. But And we were teetering where the front wheels weren't touching the ground yet. And uh, you got your seatbelt off. You're standing up looking at Homer Simpson. And <laughs> yes. That's going to be the last thing you, you ever see is yeah. Homer Simpson. Well pretty, well, pretty much. I was like, oh, crap. And then and then it finally teeters over and we drop down. Fuck. And um, we end up hitting a tree right in the middle. I tried to hop back in the seat and hold on. It's one of those things. If the TV wasn't there, I would never have taken my seatbelt off. But because the TV were there, it was there, I took my seatbelt off. But if the TV wasn't there, I would have went through the windshield. So the TV saved my life basically because Incredible. I've flown out. As soon as we hit the tree, I flew out of the seat and head butted the, the TV and then basically split my face apart. Yeah. It looked like it looked like you'd been cracked by Floyd Mayweather. Just like <laughs> you, you really look like you'd been beaten up. Well, yeah. I ended up having to get 20 stitches. They had to stitch the muscle of my lip back together and then the whole lip back together basically. And it, it, they did – the. Whoever the guy was in Canada who did my stitches did a phenomenal job. Great job. You Great look, job. You like, still no look one, a million bucks. No, no one ever notices <laughs> that I actually have it. It's like a, you can no. kind of see a bit of a scar when I've got a bit of a beard. There's like... No, I can't see anything. Yeah, no, like, it, nothing. Guy did a great job. Yeah. And so I was very lucky in that sense. And it wasn't too bad. I do remember getting out of the car and I, I remember like, we were all standing out of the car. I was like, everyone all right? And they go... And everyone's just looking at me and go, yeah, we're fine. And I was like... And I was, yeah. Is everyone all right? And they go, yeah, we're fine. And I go... And then my friend goes to Am me. Am I fine? <laughs> then my friend goes to me. Because I do remember when we, I hit the television, I remember getting, and I just saw all this blood pour out of my out of my face, oh basically. My and then my friend says to me, he goes, don't lick your lip. And so what do I do? I lick my lip. But there was no lip to lick. Oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> I yeah. think you put that photo up as your Facebook profile or something. It like, was my oh. my Facebook profile for, for quite a little bit. You're just it, like, oh, I'll just do that. Yeah. That'll be good. Totally. Um, were you with the same guys when the next incident happened when you got the gun? Different guys. Okay. Yeah. All school friends. Uh, <laughs> part of the same group, I guess, kind of in a little yeah. bit. So, so yeah. where were you when, when the gun thing happened? That was in Portugal. And what were you doing? Um, it was about three in the morning and we were coming back from a karaoke bar. Yeah, and were you heading to a van again? Yeah, we're heading to a van. (laughs) (laughs) Life on the road. There's a common uh, common denominator here, and it's the van. So we had been doing a surf trip through France, Spain, and Portugal, and we're in the streets of uh, Portugal going... uh, Lisbon, the capital. We're on our way back to the the van, just me and another guy. Mm. And we were were down a main street, like the main strip that goes from the center of the city to to the water. And we were walking down there and no one on the street at all, no cars. And there was just two guys walking towards us. And then as soon as they got to us, this guy pulls, pulled a gun on us. Um, I remember just like the, the guys asking us for money. I had like about 180 euro in my pocket, but it wasn't in my wallet. So I was just showing my wallet saying, I've got nothing. So... Even and with a gun pointed at you, you're like, oh, they're not getting my money. Well, yeah, you, you had a few drinks. You'd be, you're an idiot. Yeah. It's just like you're not really paying attention and probably doing the more sensible thing, but I was just kind of like, I'll show them that my wallet has nothing. I, show, I showed them my coins. They go, you can have my coins. And they didn't want the coins. <laughs> <laughs> and I do remember it like he... But I remember looking at the gun. See, I'm not even 100% sure it was a real gun because it looked tiny and it mm. looked like one of those cigarette lighters. You know those gun cigarette lighters? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember said to the guy, I go... With the flame out the front. Okay. Yeah. Although, like, and I remember, you can't shoot us with that. And then he put the gun to my forehead and then I... Fuck. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to test this. <laughs> so so you, you gave him whatever. I gave him nothing. Oh, you gave him nothing. I still didn't tell him about the wow. money in my pocket. So, no. And my friend didn't have anything on him. And then I didn't wear watches or any jewellery. And after something like that happens, do you go home and sleep? Or is it just impossible to sleep after that? No, it was fine. Yeah, like. Wow. We were, we were a little shaken, obviously shaken up yeah. by it, of course. And it's just, it just was what it was. And then, mm. and I don't want, Portugal's amazing. So everyone should still definitely go there. Mm. Like it's, it's an amazing place. It's just like, it's one of those things you put yourself in a bad situation. Something could probably happen. So maybe just don't walk the streets at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> just telling that story. That, I don't know if you know this guy and I won't say his name, but he was telling me this story and he's a drummer and right. I was playing music with him years and years ago. He went over to Mexico. Right. So he's playing like a schoolboy rugby union. Right. Um, and he, he and the crew are on the drink. And they're all just after a game having a great time. And then they're walking down the main street somewhere in Mexico. And um, some guy grabs him and he takes his ring off his finger. And the ring was his uh, ring that he got from his sister. Right. That he, he loved. This guy grabs this ring. He holds the guy up against the shop. <laughs> And goes to town and gets his ring back. Right. Flogs this guy. But the guy yeah. apparently was in the MS... Or M16, M16 or whatever. Yeah. Whatever they are, the yeah. gang over there. Yeah, yeah. So him and the boys are just like, whatever, they start, they start you know, he's dusted that guy up and he gets his ring back. And um, people in the street saw what had happened. And he can't understand what they're saying to him. And some people are praying for him. Yeah, right. And they go, whoever that guy was, yeah, they didn't know at the time where he was from. It seems like some serious shit. Turns around, a gang comes running out from an alleyway. They've obviously seen, they've heard, someone's told them that one of their own's been bashed. Right. And the whole footy team disperses running through the streets of Mexico. Jesus. And um, he finally, he ends up hiding behind a rubbish bin in an alleyway and he's with another bloke. And the footy team get back to the team hotel. The cops turn up. And they say, what happened tonight? Where is so-and-so and his mate? I said, well, basically you flogged this guy. And they said, well, if it's a guy we're thinking of, your friends won't be coming back to the hotel tonight. And the coach burst out in tears <sighs> thinking, okay, some serious shit. And they, they said, he's from this gang, this guy. Right. So they said, what we've got to do, we're going to send five cop cars out together to go and try and find the, these guys and they did. They found them behind the bin and saved their lives and brought them back to the hotel and oh. everyone was crying. Oh my but gosh. apparently they were prepared to get these guys and just do unspeakable things yeah. because it, all, over, all over a ring. Oh, my God. Well, thankfully they're all okay now So yeah. like that, and they made it home. Yeah, yeah but geez. for the cops to turn up and say, yeah, I don't think they're ever coming back. Oh. That would have been scary. <laughs> Insane. Um, yeah, so <laughs> apart from getting a gun pulled to your head and um, crashing a car while watching The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot more that you've been doing. Um, you formed a new band, The Cyclical. Yeah. You've got some songs out at the moment. You're producing. You're doing everything there. I mean, you've got Sky as well. She's singing, singing the songs, but... Mm. Um, 
the production on those songs is amazing. No, cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Some of these songs took you a long time to get together. Like, is I like- showed you, I think, a couple <laughs> of those songs while we were doing Sunny Town. Mm. Uh, this is a bit of the curse of, like, I guess, doing everything yourself at times. It's just kind yeah. of like you you spend so much time doing it and it, there's a mix of, like, I don't know what else I can do with this. So then doing the next process becomes a bit more of an arc to actually get completed and stuff like that. And then just doing stuff by yourself can become tiresome. And it's hard to be motivated sometimes to actually go, all right, now I need to sit down and do this. Particularly like it can get difficult at times wearing several hats, particularly. Yeah. Oh, I feel that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when I started doing the Ritzy Kids stuff, it's like, it, it, you know, it's good now that I've got, a few of us. Like I, sure. I love that there's a few of us, but yeah, that initial starting out process and doing it all on your own, it can be draining. Totally. Cause you got to sit like, a, I was literally sitting there and like, what am I going to do for the drum sound? And then mm-hmm. like now I've got to doing all the miking up and stuff like that. And uh, I was really, really thankful. I had this guy called um, Nick Franklin and um, he was the assistant at the studio where I did all the drums. So he was, he was a massive, massive help and a shout out to him. Uh, so that actually took a bit more of the burden off. But even still then, it was just kind of like still trying to wear some hats of like, this is how I want the drums to sound. These are the mics I want to use. Now also trying to get the performances down, mm. then going back and then doing all the editing of the stuff. And sometimes nothing drives you more nuts than editing oh, yeah. yourself, right? Yeah. And yeah. and then it was also a matter of doing all the guitars and stuff like that myself and everything like that, which I just did from home, which is great. Which, yep. is the, which is the benefit of having like this digital age now where you can actually do all this stuff from home and all the technology that you can actually do. So it, it definitely got challenging, but eventually like in the end, I ended up getting it all done and I'll, I'm I'm very happy and very proud of how that one ended up ter- turning out. So and but I- even, even still, even though like I, I, I still hear some stuff in that production. I was like, I want to do that differently in the next time. Yeah, but I think that's just the way, isn't it? Everyone has that. Everyone who cares about music, like who cares about the creation of music, you always can find something. Totally. You know with me, <laughs> I, can, <laughs> yes. I can always find something. Yeah. Um, and but, that, but that's it's, it's also a good thing. As, as much yeah. as you can like... Yeah, you don't want to just be like, oh yeah, let's just keep releasing stuff. That well, it's good to see someone done. with some passion, and they're yeah. like, they're like, they're taking it seriously and like of what they're doing, and they're like, they're putting in their best effort as well. So you can never knock somebody for doing that kind of thing, and it's important. And it's also kind of like what drives you to do the next one as mm. well. It's just kind of like I can do better, and I want to improve. Yeah, and that's the whole point, right? Because like, do you really want to go out and make your best album, the first album? Well. <laughs> It'd be you, handy. To, but, it, but it's a bit of a catch-22, right? Because you do. You do. Yeah. You want your best album to be the best album ever. But then when you go to do the second album, well, that has to be better than the first, right? Okay. we can. You've segued this perfectly. We need to put this question out there. Okay. We're talking Dookie and... Insomniac. Insomniac. It's Insomniac. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> crazy, crazy to hear that. So basically we were listening to... We were on the beers... Right. And no, well, you and I, and we're listening to Dookie and I think, and then we started, li- and you were like, Insomniac's better. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if you're allowed to say that out loud. I um, don't care. <laughs> I don't fucking care. Because <laughs> Dookie's just like, in, in, for me, that's everything. That's like, it's almost like my mum. <laughs> Dookie's my mum. Look, don't get me wrong. Dookie's amazing. 
Yeah. Dookie's number three, though. Wow. What? Hang on. What comes before then? So Insomniac <laughs> is first, you think? Nimrod's second. I will always probably pick Insomniac first. Insomniac, I can listen from start to finish, but if I was to pick my favorite song, it'd be Stuck With Me, the third one. Oh, yeah. 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 Even that or um, Stuart in the Avenue. Oh, see, but now I'm going to start going through every song and no. say, no, but if it's not that. You know what Green Day was... And then, and, then, <laughs> and then it's the Panic song. And it's just kind of yeah. like, yeah. Green Day was so good at having the first few as crackers on, the, on every album. But see, Insomniac is... Like, they're all crackers to me. I can just, like... And that's an album that I have to listen... If I'm going to listen to that album, I start it from the start and yeah. then I just go to I'm the I'm the end. same with Dookie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think Dookie's great. Bit of filler. Yeah. No no filler on Insomniac. Oh, but hang on. What you, what do you think is filler on Dookie? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to insult me. <laughs> Because I love Sassafras Roots. Oh, and, see, that's one of the um, best songs on the album. Pulling Teeth. Yeah. Like, yeah, Coming Clean. A, great song. Um, even Fuck Off and Die. Yeah. Um, and then, like, then you've got the hits. When I, when I Come Around, um, uh, Basket Case. Yeah. Um, even, like, Burnout oh, is, is amazing. Yeah. But the thing that happens with me sometimes with some albums is kind of like, Dookie's a great album, but then Insomniac comes and I love that album. But then it's also the production. So I said... Dookie sounds amazing and I don't want it to sound like I think it's not, but I just like, I thought there was a step in their production that ended up, I just go, ah, I can hear all this stuff now that it's just, this, this band is amazing. And like, it's weird. Cause like they sound like a simple band, but they're one of the, yeah, they're so technical. tight yeah, and yeah. they're so, they can be very technical. Like you've got Mike Dern. He's basically a lead guitar yeah. on bass. And the way he plays bass, it's almost like we were talking off air, I'll say, yeah. um, about computerized bass plugins that you can get nowadays. Yeah. He's like that. You know, like as in he's so tired, it almost doesn't sound real. Yeah. <laughs> but he's playing lead licks. Yeah. So like Billy's just basically doing all these rhythm the guitars. Chords, that's right. Yeah. He's doing all these rhythm guitars yeah. and holding this kind of rhythm structure. And then you just hear. Like you listen to when I come around, it sounds like one of the simplest songs, but that bass line, it's insane. It's great. I watched and the, then Trey Cool, like he's like one of the best drummers. He's so tight. Yeah. Oh, he's 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 great. But the, there's even like um, their earlier albums, great albums and Kaplunk is one of my favorite. I, but going to Palisquay, oh, I'm glad you're saying this. It's a great song. However, I can't listen to the album version. There's a live version of them playing like that, and I, I cannot stop. It's no, but it's them and their it's it's the actual the video of it of them playing it live, and I could just listen to that every day of the week. Oh, hang on, when they when they were playing like um, this was when Dookie had just come yeah, out. Yeah, he's got the blonde hair and he's yeah, like playing, that's the one. and they're all on speed. Yeah, well, allegedly. Allegedly. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they're, they're on it. I'm pretty sure they've. I think I remember an interview with him where he basically said, We're not the pop band. We might yeah. be called Green Day, but he goes, We're the speed band. That song is, is one of my favorite Green Day songs. It's, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, love them. Always in my heart. Yeah. Love you, Green Day. Um, let's get you on the podcast one day. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Um, Ritz of Kids stuff. So right. Ritz of Kids was born in. And it's funny, I always talk about the Ritzy Kids sort of at the back end of the episodes and stuff, but now with you in front of me, it only makes sense to make it a part of the interview as well. Sure. I was in lockdown. I wanted to keep recording. I'd heard the three days ago stuff. I was like, oh, let's, I want to do some punk stuff. So 
started playing some chords with distortion again after 10 years of playing acoustic and it was the best thing ever. It was like... It's cathartic, oh, isn't it? Man, you can't beat it. I think I just sent you like 10 songs. And I was yeah. like, hey, I'm doing this now. You'd probably rather work with this stuff than, <laughs> than what I was doing acoustically. I, I mean, you love your punk stuff, so... Um, I like it all. It's yeah. all fun. But I sent it through and... Uh, and yeah, we got we got cracking on that, and, and it was such a strange time to to be doing it because we, we weren't allowed to see each other at certain points because of the lockdowns and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But we still made it work. We we recorded breakthrough in your old apartment. Yes, that was so, right. such a fun experience. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I remember you putting up the video of us doing it in the apartment and stuff. <laughs> I, I remember distinctly us doing the solo. And we were, we were, I was drunk. We were hammered. Yeah, I was proper drunk. Yeah, because we went to the, the Ritz. The Ritz, the hotel. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we went there all over. Yeah. And we decided to do the solo after a thousand beers. Yeah. And I think I think it came out good. <laughs> yeah, the song turned, turned out great, man. I, yeah. I think you should be really proud of that one. I, I, I love that one. And that was... Out of the 10 that I sort of worked on, and I, I got 10 songs in about three weeks. Like I just started, you know, you know what it's like when you buy a new toy. You're sure. just like, I'm just going to go nuts here. Turn and, them out. Yeah. And it was that one that popped out for me that I was like, oh, I've got to turn that into maybe the first single or whatever. Yeah. From then on, we, we, we went to, to Sally and the <laughs> <laughs> Sally process took way longer than it should have. Yes. Um, we basically, we started that song, it all was good, and then... We started again. We, yeah, we ended up going. Let's. We ditched all the guitars and everything like that, and yeah. we changed the drum sound and everything like that. And and it was weird. We basically yeah, started from scratch. And, and and that was the first song that I tried doing all solely from home. While you had like the drums and you had um, you know, all the production from your house. We didn't see each other at all in that process. Yeah. Well, the next few songs we yeah. didn't see each other at all. Um, I was also in the process of Sally moving from one apartment to the other. Yeah. And during lockdown. But yeah, Sally was in the middle of that process as yeah. well, and then yeah, and then that was very interesting way to work, wasn't it? Like yeah, which is the beauty of technology and stuff like that. I loved it, but, but I told you from after breakthrough that that's how I wanted to work. Like I just know with time and managing my own time and and, and working so early in the morning and, and all that sort of stuff and being busy on the weekends that I needed to be able to do it from home. Totally. And I, th we, I think it is the future of like working as far as bands because drums, not so much. Drums can be a difficult one where you really need a good space to actually do that yeah. in particular and you need the time to actually do it. Whereas a guitar, you can set up your guitar and whether you're using all these amp simulators now, which yeah. sound amazing, some of them, and then or you have a guitar amp mic'd up at home and particularly if you're doing a close mic, um, it doesn't really matter overly the space generally. Uh, you're not. You don't have the time constraints of like, okay, now we have to go into the studio, and now I have to perform yeah. right now. Yeah. You can literally record it on the spot and just go. Tonight I'm going to do two two takes, or I'm going to do two songs, whatever, whatever mm. it might be. And you can kind of record all that stuff on your own time, which is the beauty of it of doing it now, particularly like with bands being able to afford to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're still mixing and mastering because it's obviously there's, a, there's an awkwardness to <laughs> you were originally doing the drums and yeah. then obviously Scotty's on the drums. I love Scotty to bits and we, we, we jam every <laughs> week. But there is always that thing where you could have said, well, fuck you. Like, you know, I just knew that I think it just wasn't going to – both of our lives and how, how it worked and all that. Well, and to I be remember. fair, you did ask me. 
Yeah. And I was just like, I think just with the way that my life is and the way that you, yeah. you guys are doing it, that your life was doing it at the moment, I just didn't think it was probably mm. the right thing for us to do at this stage. And it's, just yeah. like, it's also not something I was really looking to do. I'd love to play live again, but I also don't want to play live again in yeah. some sense. And obviously I didn't want to be the, the thing to hold anybody back from doing the th- thing that they want. And nor would I ever be upset about that. You getting another drummer in that. Yeah. Scott, and I remember stuff, stuff Scotty's doing is great. And the, the, the oh, songs Scotty's, sound great. Scotty's a legend. He's yeah. such a good guy. And he, and he respects all the stuff that yeah. you do. So I'm glad it turned out the way it did because we, we've known each other for so long. Yeah. And, um, I just, I, I really love the mixing side. Like yeah. I could just, I mix all day and mm. love it. Yeah. I just love that aspect of actually doing it too. And it's particularly because you just kind of go into your own world doing it. And it is a kind of form of meditation in itself. Mm. And you can really get into the nitty gritty of stuff and you get to create something in its own right. Mixing is a performance in itself. You do a great job at it. Like, I mean, oh, from us boys, like getting a song together from home, sort of, we, we take Scotty, we took Scotty to the rehearsal, uh, sorry, recording studio in Botany and we did the drums there for the upcoming EP which you're mixing mastering then have done most of the guitars and stuff at my house and then we send it all to you and then that's where the real magic happens because um, you know the boys that i go hey here's the demo and the demo is my version and then i always like send it with an asterisk i'm like this is not the final thing this is not how it's actually going to sound it's going to sound fucking 10 times better than that and um and then when you know i send it to you for a couple of days and you send it back and then it's like everyone goes ah well, it's a, it's a thing in itself, the whole mixing side of it. And and that's part of the exciting thing about doing it is like taking something that sounds a certain way and if you can in any way enhance that and make it better, yeah, like there's a massive satisfaction that comes at the end of that. Mm. All right. How do people get on to you? If they want to, um, they want to get something mixed, they want to get something mastered, they want to record something. Um, I know we're going to be working on a, on a website for you, but I don't know, find you on Facebook. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Um, see, I'm so bad with all this social media <laughs> stuff. As, as you know, I have no no patience for it. But uh, yeah, I'm on on Facebook, just Mitch Willard. Picture of me as a six-year-old with my uh, bow tie. Yeah, it's not the photo of him with his face smashed right over. Not open. anymore. No, not no, anymore. no. It's me. It's my it's my preschool <laughs> photo. You know, when you, you do those awkward photos for the, like the year or something yeah. like that. Or... Um, uh, Mitch Willard audio at gmail.com. There you go. And then I'm also on Instagram, Zavillard. All right. Or, or contact Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's easier. Yeah. Mitch, thanks so much for jumping on the Street Pest podcast. You were open about um, uh, nearly dying twice, which was fantastic. <laughs> oh, You've helped me so much over the years with music and not, a, not only just recording, but just giving me a sense of what is needed for a recording because I think before I met you, I had no idea. But now I sort of. I know how the process works to a certain extent. Mm. I'll never be a pro at it, I don't think, but you've taught me so much and helped me so much. Oh, and, geez, um, man. To get watching this band get up off the ground and having the boys that I'm with now, yeah. like in the band, like it's amazing. So um, It's very exciting to see what you guys are doing. I really love working on the Ritzy Kids stuff, so I really appreciate you giving me the chance to actually do that stuff. And uh, it's really exciting seeing what you guys are doing. All right, let's go to the pub. All right, let's go to the pub. <laughs> Yeah, there he is, Mitch Willard. I'm so glad that I got him on the podcast. I knew that his story would be interesting, basically because I already know his story. Uh, we chat quite a bit. So I know that we 
been banging on about how he's a producer, a singer, drummer, and all that. Also, he's got a podcast. It's called Not Another Jim Film. So Jim, who we mentioned in that podcast and eventually went and had beers with after that interview, um, those two have a podcast with their friend Ryan. Uh, it's all about uh, Jim reviewing, basically, movies that he watches, but not just any movie. He's eclectic um range of movies that he enjoys and I'm pretty sure Mitch and Ryan just sort of either tear them to shreds or agree with what he's got to say so go check that out not another gym film all right it's time for this yeah this is the part of the show where you can write on in go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters you write it I'll read it this week I got a message from a bloke named Dave Soul. Now, he was listening to last week's episode where I had Frank Turner on, which was really exciting. Love Frank's music. And uh, Frank and I got into a discussion about people getting tattoos of him. And uh, I saw on Frank's Instagram that there was a really cool portrait that someone had gotten on their shoulder. That person found the podcast and wrote in. <laughs> so, so it's actually Dave's tattoo. He says, uh, a friend sent me your podcast with Frank Turner. I believe it was my tattoo that you discussed. It felt pretty awesome hearing that, even if it was brief. Thank you so much. And what a great episode. Thanks, Dave. I'm glad that you enjoyed that. And your tattoo is insane. I might actually, I'm going to grab the photo if Dave doesn't mind. And I might put it on the, the Street Press Podcast Instagram, which you should be following. And I'll put that photo up so that you can see it. Hopefully Dave doesn't mind that I do that. Um, but yeah, really cool tattoo, Dave. And thanks for writing on in to the show. Don't forget, you can do that as well. Go to thestreetpresspodcast.com. Also, if you want to support the podcast that supports the artists, we do have memberships open for $4 a month and the members area is open. You can go on in there. You can check out a bunch of stuff. And don't forget, anyone who becomes a $4 a month member goes in the draw each week to win prizes, gets uh, discounts off merch, plenty of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you want to support, that's the way to do it. Don't forget the podcast will always be free. And as for the band, The Ritzy Kids, keep your eyes on our YouTube and Instagram page. We are about to drop the music video for Dark Blue Sky, our new, our new single, which came out just like three weeks ago. So we filmed it at Bangers and Mosh Studio in Kilcare with our friend Bob on the weekend. It was a pretty hot day on Saturday, um, but we got the job done and the studio was nice and cool inside. So we weren't sweating too much. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget, we drop them every Wednesday. The Street Press Podcast will be back next week, same time. Would love to have your ears here again. Until then, ta-da. Ta-da.